Hey guys, welcome back. I am going to be sharing my journey with you today. My name is Lola. Um, I created Life of Living Abundantly back in 2018, not realizing that it was probably my alter ego of something that I desperately needed and wanted um, as far as um, peace and a life of abundance because um, in my backstory, I probably wasn't living the most peaceful life. <clears throat> um, I filed for divorce back in 2019 um, from someone who, no matter what I did, I could not make happy um, and realized in the process that I was killing myself trying to make this person happy. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give some, some backstory. Um, back in 2016, I had just had my daughter who is now six and um, I had begun to see some things um, unravel per se um, and it just became very obvious something was not right. Um, but after I had her, I had a series of health issues where um, I had some high blood pressure. Let me find the screen again. And um, and then I was having these heart palpitations and I had to wear like this holster monitor to monitor my heart. And I had these things called PVCs, which is the cardiologist. He said, I can put you on an extra medicine. I don't think you need it, but I had so much anxiety. I was like, give me something, you know, like my heart feels like I'm, I'm going to die. Um, but even before then, after I had her, I had an incident where um, I was taking armor thyroid. Um, and I did that while I'm in this third pregnancy instead of levothyroxine because it was known to be more natural um, and would be best, you know, for my body. You just try and do all the right things when you're pregnant not realizing that I was not getting enough um, thyroid medication when I was pregnant that led to, as soon as she came out of my body, um, I went into what's called a thyroid storm. <clears throat> so um, within 48 hours of having my newborn baby, um, I was in the ER and I thought I was going to die. My heart rate was a 25. And um, the ER physician was... Um, she was a black lady and I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to die. Like I was, I was so worried. She didn't know what to do with my lab work. It was just horrific. And even before then, which is why I thought that this had happened to me and why my heart just finally gave out was because um, it was the day of or the day before I brought my daughter home from the hospital. So she was less than a week old. They keep you for two or three days. So she was, three days old and I come home and I'm having to go out and get breast pump materials. And at the time, um, my husband was on the phone. He had a new position and um, <clears throat> new job opportunity. And that day he lost his job. Proceeding to that night, my legs started to swell. And that's when I found out about my heart rate and I went to the ER and then they transferred me back to the hospital where I had just given birth and I didn't get to go on a maternity ward. I had to go into an intensive, um, the ICU for heart 
So I was on a cardiac heart ICU unit. Um, and I just begged them, like, I have to be able to take my baby. Um, and I did. I'm very thankful for her because um, my heart was beating 25 to 28 beats a minute. And they couldn't figure out what was going on later to find out it was not all where they cleared everything off. And um, her little heart rate really kept mine beating, honestly. Um, but I remember how frustrated and angry and all the inconvenience that night I was that I told him, I believe I have to go to the ER. And all I can remember that night was, what about my dinner? Like I told y'all I had a brand new baby and I, had, I remember I had cooked spaghetti and garlic bread that night. And they even did it like with the meatballs. Um, and um, I go into the ER, um, they transfer me to the heart ICU unit and then I'm having to stay there at a week. And um, how distant and cold I remember he was. And he was on his phone. And mind you, I'm in the ER insurance just got canceled because he lost his job. Um, I'm on the unit, excuse me. And so um, he was very dismissive. And I remember the majority of the time being there alone. And I understand like we had two other children but, you know, he says he calls his mom because he didn't know what was going on. So she flies in from out of state. My mom was there and I had my sister in Houston, my other sister in Maryland, where there was a wedge, such a wedge brought between the two of us because of him. Um, she didn't even feel like she could be there for me, but she did call. Um, and I just remember feeling flooded with, with his family and his aunts calling me and trying to tell me what to do. And I've got a heart rate of 25. I barely can talk or walk. I've got a newborn baby that is with me and my body is just giving it. And um, I um, tell his aunt, I can't handle you calling me. In the midst of this, my blood pressure was so really weak. Um, my sister told me she was there for me. I kept my other sister who is um has has her masters in in nursing methods. She is uh, the only person that I tried to keep a, a gauge or keep abreast because I knew that she was medically invested in what was going on with not just me emotionally. Um, so um his mother flies in. My mother, of course, is there with the kids throughout the week. And I just still remember how absent he was and how lonely that hotel room was. And I remember um, I felt like if I just keep moving, if I just keep moving, um, I won't pass out. And I, I would put the baby in the little clear rolly cart and I would go to the toilet. I would go to the faucet and I would go to the bed. And she was like, or anytime I was in the bed, she was on my heart. And my heart was and hers was so every time listening to hers, my heart could remember almost. So needless to say, the emotional connection me and that child had, it it's beyond words. Um so her heartbeat did keep me alive. I'm convinced. And so in that time, 
where you think you're dying. I mean, I brought it back, man. Lord, please forgive me. Get me out of this one. I'll never say or I'll never do. Lord, please, I hope that you reveal to me the things in my life that are not supposed to be in, Lord, and that you remove them and that you help me have access to the doors and windows that I'm supposed to walk in. Lord, just get me out of this one. Lord, for any impure thoughts, like if I ever thought about the boyfriend in the third grade and that was considered emotional cheating, like cleanse me, you know. Um, I mean, it was totally a cleansing moment for God to forgive me and I forgave any and everybody that I could have possibly had a grudge on on in life, which is it wasn't that many people, but I, I went through a little forgiveness with. Um, it was kind of crazy because I thought, this is it. Um, one of the most traumatic and scariest moments of my life. Um, so anyhow, they're running several tests. I had um, tons of cardiac tests and um, I had an endocrinologist. I had two endocrinologists um, and two um, party cardiologists. And then I had um, an obstetrician all under one chair in this one room because everything had to kind of get something together um, <clears throat> to resume me back to normalcy. So um, long story short, like I get discharged from the hospital and I've got tons of appointments that I'm now having to go through um, from this discharge. And then I find out I have high cholesterol and then I was having GERD from so much anxiety. Um, so I had just all these appointments, this newborn baby, these two other kids I had to care for. I've already told you he lost his job when I brought her home from the hospital and then went back to the hospital. I really thought I had, I really, I really thought I believe that. And this was not the first job loss within the marriage. Um, it was like three kids later, <clears throat> we're still dealing with the same issues of instability. I can't keep doing this, which then led me, um, while at home with her, I started doing a lot of just thinking and business planning and what am I going to do? And even the thought of, I was going to stay at home. Um, and I was going to scale back from my practice, which is I was practicing as a marriage and family therapist. Um, and then I had received my training in conflict resolution. So I was doing a little portion of family law where I was doing divorce resolutions, um, custody, mediation, things like that. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to get home with my kids. Like, I'm thankful for, for life. And um, he also um, was trying to find another job. That stressed in the home. I'm staying at home. Like, I can't move. Like, I was so foggy in the head from the blood pressure, the heart stuff. And I was diagnosed with the PVCs and they told me that was from the anxiety. And then I just had a baby. My bottom was still pulsating, you know? Um, y'all know, y'all know. Um, and so it was two months after I was so worried. Um, how would I be able to care for this little baby and go back to work and and she was the only one that I had to put in daycare. And there was some guilt from, for that. Um, but I just knew he wasn't bouncing back from that last job loss. Um, the business that 
we had started then. This was the third one, I think, or the fourth one that was belly up. It was already months behind in rent. And I just found myself in this rat race of auto-correcting his chaos. And I was a chaos manager that did not involve any children. I can do that in sound of my eyes closed. Like, <clears throat> um, and then I realized that I was never, ever putting anything that was building me. So I kind of did give up on the finding that financial security and leadership in him and that I had to kind of take it by the, by the strings where um, I went back to work and then I started building up the practice. Um, my daughter was three or four months in and they decided they were going to close the practice that I was in. So I went back into solo practice, ended up opening up a group practice, which is serenity. And then that just, I mean, it was a slow start, but it it was like almost immediately successful in play um, and in place. Um, so I think that there was some irritation when I said, we're going to have to close up this other business here, it's, it's, it's sinking us and you can't hold a job. Um, and so I'm continuing to build up serenity. And I, I remember, I mean, I even have pictures where I would bring my third daughter in a carriage where I was painting and, you know, getting the office together, picking up furniture. Um, cause she stayed at home. I mean, we couldn't afford to really put her in daycare at that time. And then finally I did. And then I was able to accomplish even more. And at the time, I remember saying, how about I work more at night if you don't have a job and get more money for, you know, our household to pay our bills. And in the midst of all, oh, and he told me, absolutely not. Like, what kind of man would I be? One who keeps a roof over our head. <laughs> um, but I get it. I get that ego at the time. But I didn't realize that it was ruled by ego and an unbelievable amount of pride that that continued to um, sink us. Um, and so finally, um, I, I'm just realizing I'm, I'm in the same cycle. I'm, I'm in the same cycle, you know, this many years later, and there's not very much to show for. I'm completely demolished emotionally as a human being. Um, and um, he closes that and then we're supposed to move to his home state. And I met with a friend, Uche, and she was the one who had brought light to some things um, where she just had me questioned. She wasn't giving me any type of, you know, anything bad. And then it then began how I changed my prayer life. And in changing my prayer life, I asked God to start to, to give me some transparency and not even some things, but all things. And and he did. And it was even a situation where by that September, before filing for a divorce, his mother had came to the home, stirred up a whole bunch of chaos and, you know, started admitting some of the faults of her own son. And then before she knew what she was doing, it she was just like, but I don't mean it. Like it's almost like God was making this woman tell on herself and on her son. And then she didn't even realize, oh no, you know, um, where she was saying, I we don't agree with the isolation that's going on with your family and how you know he keeps you away from your family and it's not right. None of us agree. Um, and I'm just sitting here looking like, but nobody will do anything about it. 
I had zero support, you know? Um, and it does take a village to raise children. Um, so anyhow, our house is on the market. Um, you know, I got into counseling. 2017, I started my practice. 2018, I went ahead and got into counseling. Things were not getting any better. Um, and the more successful I got, the worse he got. Um, and um, 2018, I'm in counseling. The house, what's your house on the market? I don't remember, but the house ended up being on the market for seven months. Like the realtor even gave us like an extra extension of a month um, to keep it on there. We didn't get not one offer, not one. Remember that there's a significance to that. And then his mom comes in that September of 19 and she's like, they're going to pray that this house sells. And, and I like, no, at this point, we're going to pray God's will because it was the first time in my life where I didn't have clear understanding or direction what was going on. We had our home packed, you know, um, boxed up. It was in storage um, and things were getting worse. But I thought if we just move where his family is, he'll be happier, he'll be kinder. If he's happy, we all won't have to live like this. Um, and I remember it when we were looking for houses and I said, oh, this is a room, you know, where my dad can stay. My dad had a stroke in 2015. Um, another red flag where the abuse got worse, the emotional, psychological, and mental abuse. Once My dad was the last person to protect me. If my dad, I believe, was physically able, there's just no way, you know. Um, a lot of things would have continued to transpire the way that it did. Um, but he took advantage of um, me not having that protection. <clears throat> so um, the house is on the market. House isn't selling. Had a yard sale. His mother had pulled a fast one saying that we were going to, she was going to sell us the house. Oh, yeah. That we were looking at a house where I was like, oh, this could be a good place for my dad to be who would have the real thing steps. Um, I, I love interior design. I love looking at real estate and houses, you know, so the home was beautiful outlay and it, it was, it was larger. So putting him in a downstairs room and he says, huh, so you really think they're going to visit? Why wouldn't they? That was him saying, when I get you over here, you know, I'd, already hadn't been seeing my family for years years the thanksgiving of 2019 that i spent with my family my mom mentioned it had been seven years since we had spent the holiday together Fact. so anyhow um <clears throat> this comes out and um we are Back in Tennessee, after looking at the houses, things continue to get worse. And um, then another job didn't work out. And yes, another one. And there, I asked, please get our things out of storage. We can't afford to pay these things. I'm still trying to build up the counseling center. Thing. And I was looking for another job. Another job. On top of the private practice, three children. I was a Girl Scout troop leader. I mean, we're not even going to give that that preschool resume. I did what I did for my children. 
Um, and um, he was infuriated. And I said, we can't afford to pay for it, you know? So he brings all the things and he lines them up in the living room of the home instead of in the garage. And we have at the time a two-year-old running around, like she's going to knock one of these boxes over and whatever. And um, this is me trying to recall as much as I can from my little trauma brain, but it's been important for me to remember these things. And um, so his mom in that September, like I said, she leaves. I tell her, we're not selling the house that God says should not sell. And she stands, she gets so defensive herself and starts yelling at my daughter and telling my daughter, you know, um, you can't agree with everything that your mom does. You know, when I was a little girl, my mom died and we had to live with my dad. That can happen to you. Last red flag I ever needed. Everything became transparent. Remember, I started praying differently. And so, um, whoo, that was a hard one. She goes on her merry way. Um, a lot was about her own doing um, brought out in that trip. And he was angry. I don't know, something else later happened and he was angry with me. I had a friend who was a minister bring some clothes. And I remember he had disrespected her or me in front of her. Something happened. I don't really remember at the time and that began the process where he would not speak to me for almost three weeks because that silent treatment red flag is part of the abuse silent treatment my friends is abuse okay and so um I remember he I was like you know you need to apologize and he says I don't need to apologize I don't know you a thing and I turned around and my bible was sitting on the kitchen table and when I looked at it, I didn't touch it. I just brought it towards my face and it said, be still and be quiet. That's all I could remember taking away and then just going about my business. That was probably October, 2019. Long story short, November comes, there was a night where everything erupted. Um, and, uh, my middle daughter was crying. I was up in the bonus room doing yoga. I was trying to do everything, y'all, to keep my sanity and my peace because this house was that chaotic. It was a spirit that man would move in and move out. I'm telling you, I had olive oil all over. I was anointing bedspreads, pillows, door entrance, like the knobs when you flush the toilet. Like it is inevitable for this olive oil, for this holy oil, not to touch the hands, feet, whatever of this man to get the spirit out of my house. It was, it was so chaotic. And um, I even remember on his birthday, that's moving towards November of 19, I had called his brother and said, you have got to come over like, and talk to him. Like, I need help. Like something is not right. And that didn't help. Um, but anyway, it erupted the night in, in November where he um, came in one of his angry spells. I'm doing my yoga and imagine that I didn't speak back to him because at this point you don't know what to say because no matter what you say, it's going to erupt in an argument, him backlashing, screaming, like, 
or you're going to have to deal with more of the abuse that happens that he gets to say, I didn't touch her, you know, um, which is horrible. And it's worse than not being hit. Um, so um, I told the kids, he took my minivan, he took uh, a desk that I was painting and my daughter said, he said he's going to dump it in the trash. So I said, when he gets back with my car, I don't want any questions asked. I need y'all to get in the car. Like it was a very knee jerk response. Don't you ask a question when I get, when I say get in the car, you get in there and we're leaving. And I um, threw a bag um, in the bushes just in case I needed, it got ugly and I needed to come back home. And the bag, I have a diabetic daughter and it had a change of clothes for each one of my children. I'm telling you that in seven to 10 minutes, I did all of this. I hear the garage go up and he walks past me. Like, you know, the shoulder walked past you. Red flag. It should never happen. Not even one time. And, um, and when he walked past me, I looked at the kids in the kitchen and I said, don't. And they ran out the garage door. I grabbed the little one. Little one wasn't even buckled up. I told them to buckle her up. I hit that garage door and he comes running out and he picks up the baby. That's what I mean. So he goes back into the house and I asked him three times after he was yelling and screaming. I said, you know, you don't look like you're okay. This is another one of your nights. We're just going to go to Chick-fil-A, let you blow off some steam. Um, he says, I'm not doing nothing. So um, I still proceed to pull out the back, um, back out of the driveway. And then I pulled back in immediately and I called the police. Like I was done at that point. There was no way or no one was ever going to put me in a position where I was choosing two children over the other, ever. And so I called the police. The police shows up. They see him in the house. You can see that he's going up down, up down the steps. And long story short, in front of the three-year-old now at the time, um, he chops up my very first desk when I went into private practice in 06. Mind you, this is 19. Chops it up with an electric saw into little bitty pieces opens the garage door where the police and myself are all out there and the other two kids are waiting in the van and throws it out with a loud clash. Well, the police are right there, so they draw on and they don't know what's going on. And he starts the whole, this is why we cannot be taken seriously as a people. I'm sorry. Black lives matter. I know my rights as a black man. You can't enter the threshold of my house. I'm a veteran. You need to back up. I've not broken the law. I'm tearing up my own property. I can set this house on fire. It's my property. Um, that was the night that I learned that children were marital property. The police could not really do anything, even after he had called me everything in the book you can think of in front of these officers because he knew his rights and must have studied them because he couldn't wait for this day to finally come. He said, I can go. The police can go. And uh, he was keeping his daughter and he was going to change the locks. And they told him, no, you're not. I told him I needed to go in the house and I probably needed to pack up for the long-term things for my children and my diabetic daughter. And I needed, I needed my third child. She's not okay. They would not give her to me. They would not give her to me. And out of his anger, he would not give her to me either. Um, they told me the domestic violence um, chief, I guess, like she's over the department. She told me if I were you, I'd probably see a lawyer. 
And that was low key. I never, you know, expose who she is or anything. Um, needless to say, um, I scored pretty high as a high risk victim on their little domestic chart, you know, this checklist stuff. Um, I went to my parents that night. I went and saw an attorney the very next day. My children had Thanksgiving luncheons that I had to show up to, one in elementary, one in middle, um, meeting with a lawyer, knowing that my life was about to change. Like, I just knew there was no coming back from that one. He also threatened me in a text message, make sure that I get all my medications. Remember all the health stuff I told y'all I was going through. He told me, make sure that I get all my medications by the morning. He was turning off my health insurance or whatever. And um, and that he was filing for divorce the very next morning. And I'm like, okay, <clears throat> bye. So I, I already knew that night I was going to go and consult with somebody. And I consulted with that person over, you know, the situation and that he wouldn't give me back my child. Um, he even told a friend of mine, he will later hear from, um, that uh, he was going to take my kids from me and that I wouldn't see my children until they were adults if they chose to see me um, or when they got married. So he had a plan that he was going to run with the kids. It was, it was founded. Absolutely, he was. So I went and filed um, with, with a divorce, um, an ex parte. And with that being said, um, because of the incident attached on um, him not giving me my child for two days, even after I called and text. Um, um, he did not allow me to go into the home and he had a bag with all of the children's records and things. He did plan on leaving um, the state and he had asked one particular friend of mine to hold her until he can, you know, get things arranged to pick her up and bring her back to his home state and he was coming to get the other two. I went ahead and filed for divorce. That Monday was a holiday. Um, I went back to the home um, and then under the advisement of my attorney, it was a weekend from hell, but I was already detached. I was already prepared um, and coached through all the threats and he'd try and lock me out of the house, which is he did in the snow. Um, he desperately wanted to take my car somewhere, which is I knew he was going to go and total it. Um, because it had already been, remember, I've been praying different. I knew that if he left me with nothing, and I don't know where his transition that he was out of this marriage was into mine, because mine was very last minute. But when I found out my children were marital property and he could take my children out of state and there'd be nothing I could do about it. For sometimes years, people, you know, deal with their children being kidnapped by the other parent. And you know nothing, like they're marital property. I filed for divorce. Long story short, I was done. Um, we did have to go to court with all of the things that came into play where the judge had did some sort of in the ex parte where I could be in the home with the kids and he had to leave. Um, and it began this amazing, horrific, there's nothing amazing about it, I'm joking. Um, intriguing story of not only was I studying a couple of years ago the possibility of being married to a narcissist, but absolutely knowing, not believing, 
knowing that I have been married to a narcissist. So stay tuned. Keep following. There's more.